fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello and welcome to our final episode before Christmas and the last normal podcast till February. We've got five specials coming up for you over the next few weeks and I'll tell you more about that at the end of the show. Here's what we got coming up for you today. Yes, there are channels with millions of views and millions of subscribers. But actually, for you, when you're running a business, none of that really matters. We're also going to look at how you can find a great writer on Fiverr, Upwork, People Per Hour, any platform you fancy. It's a very simple way, which will save you tons of time kissing all the frogs. We've got a great book suggestion, which is all about leadership. That's towards the end of the show. And I'm going to tell you how you can work directly with me in January or February next year, where I can help you pull together your marketing strategy for the year. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Now, I didn't realize that this could actually be a thing. Talking to one of my MSP clients a few weeks ago, and he said that he was having trouble getting one of his technicians to do training to improve himself, to actually put himself through proper professional training courses. And this utterly stunned me. And maybe it's because all the sectors that I've ever worked with, before I started working with MSPs five years ago, all of those other sectors, they had something called CPD, which is Continuous Professional Development. Now, these were professional healthcare sectors. And if you want to stay registered and actually be able to practice your healthcare skills for another year, you have to do your CPD. You have to do the work so you can get the points so you can stay qualified. It's no different for pilots. If pilots want to keep their license, They've got to fly, what is it, 12 hours minimum a year or whatever it is, depending on which country you're in. And yet in the world of tech, we allow technicians to be all over people's computers and servers and cybersecurity and all sorts of things. And all the training's kind of optional. And that's why I couldn't really understand when my client was telling me that one of his techs just didn't want to train. All of the other techs were training just fine. In fact, they have a professional training scheme within the business where a budget of cash is made available to each technician every year they actually have a budget for training and they get to choose which training courses they can do. It's got to align with the business in some way. Obviously, if it's a 100% PC business, there's no point in them going off and doing some Mac training courses, for example. But once they've agreed that with their boss, they go and do the training and everyone's happy. And as you can imagine, the technicians, most of the technicians are delighted because the owner is investing in their skills and the vast majority of technicians are quite happy with that. But maybe you, in your time, have come across a technician who doesn't want to do the training. And that's certainly a problem that my client had. So we came up with a very, very clever idea. What we've done is we've linked the training to their annual pay rise. Now, many MSPs give their staff a pay rise annually, not all, and it's certainly not something that you have to do. It's something that you can choose to do. But this particular MSP, they do it, and their staff now, having done it a number of years in a row, and this is the downside of giving an annual pay rise, their staff expect an annual pay rise. So what this MSP has done is he has linked for all of them the training to the pay rise. And the message is very, very simple. If you don't do your X hours of training every year, you don't get your annual pay rise. Because why should I pay more for you if your skill set has not improved? 
which I think is a perfectly reasonable thing to say. And remember, annual pay rises are optional. There's nothing in their contract that says they have to have an annual pay rise. There's no law that says they have to have an annual pay rise that exceeds the rate of inflation or whatever is the case. Annual pay rises are a bonus in a way. They're an optional thing for the owner. And I think it's quite right for the owner to say, if you're not getting more valuable in terms of the skills that you're having, particularly when I'm paying for you to gain those skills, then I'm not going to pay you any more. Now, we only discussed this a few weeks ago, and of course, the annual pay rise issue won't come up for a few months, but it'll be fascinating to know what this member of staff says. It'll be fascinating to know how that's received. Will that make them actually want to do the training, or will it leave them not doing the training and watching all of their colleagues, all of their peers, getting a pay rise and not them? Just out of interest, some of the other details that we talked about around that training, we said that it's quite right that the business should pay for the training. However, there should be a caveat that if they leave the business within 12 months of completing a training course, then they should repay the cost of that training. Now, you may choose to do that optionally. You may choose to apply that rule or not apply it. But I think in general, that's a pretty good rule to apply. And you should probably put this into people's contracts, depending on what your local laws say. If someone leaves within 12 months of them doing a training course that you have paid for, then they are expected to repay the cost of that training. That does not sound unreasonable to me whatsoever. The other thing that I recommend with training is that when someone has done a training course, whether it's a physical training course they've been out to, that'd be nice, wouldn't it, post-COVID, or whether it's Zoom-based or just video-based, they can't just do the training course. They have to do a report afterwards. In fact, more than a report, how about a presentation? They have to come and do a five-minute presentation, either to you or preferably to the whole team, on what it is that they have learned. Because there's something that I learned about 20 years ago, which is when you learn something and it's just for you, it's very easy to just plow through, not really think about it, just get the training done. But when you know right from the outset that you have to pass on this training to someone else, essentially, you've got to learn something and then you've got to teach it to someone else. And even a five minute presentation is a teaching in some way, especially if they know there's going to be Q&A afterwards. When you know you've got to teach this to someone, you don't half pay a lot more attention. You make sure that you've got the understanding of it because you know that you're going to look stupid if you're trying to explain this to someone else and you don't really understand it yourself. So whether or not you link training to pay rises, that's something I would definitely suggest you put in place. Everyone who does any training that's paid for by the company has to come and do a five, 10 minute presentation about what they've learned, grill them with a few questions, and I guarantee that they will really take that training on board. They will pay attention and the benefits from that will be huge. Here's this week's clever idea. I've been banging this drum for years. You should only do what only you can do. Let me say that again, because it's so important. You should only do what only you can do. And the chances are in your business that you're doing many, many things that really someone else should do for you. And in the spirit of DOA, no, not dead on arrival, but delegate, outsource, automate, you should find people, other people, lots of other people around to do the jobs that really you personally don't need to do. Now, one of those jobs is probably writing. 
Even if you're a competent writer and you enjoy it, you cannot output enough high quality content for your website. You really can't because you've got lots of other things to do. You've got to run the business. I say this myself as the person who has to run the business and also actually in the business, I'm the person that generates the content because I'm the one person in the business who can generate that high level content. And I struggle to do that. I have to diarize it and really focus on getting that done. If I was you and I was trying to run a technical business as well as generate content, well, those are completely different skill sets. So to the vast majority of the MSPs that I work with, I say, look, don't try and write stuff yourself. Find a writer to do it for you. I mean, you can brief that writer. You can tell them what should go in there. In fact, maybe they could interview you and actually suck the knowledge out of your head. But sitting down and doing it yourself is very rarely the answer for most MSPs. And then, of course, we come up against the big problem. Where do I find a great writer? and how do I make sure that they're the kind of writer that's correct for me? So there are thousands of writers out there. I mean, this really is a buyer's market for writing. And I say this as a former media person, you know, a lot of the people that I used to work with in radio back in the mid 90s and early noughties, a lot of them now are out of the media and they're doing other ordinary jobs. Two of the people I used to work with, two radio presenters, are train drivers now, you know, which is a very odd thing. Anyway, there's loads of freelance writers out there because anyone can set themselves up as a freelance writer, go onto platforms like fiverr.com, Upwork.com and PeoplePerHour.com, which are platforms where you can buy someone else's skill set, and all of those platforms act as escrow. So you pay the money in to prove that you've got the money for the work that you've commissioned, but the money is ultimately not released until you're happy with the job. That's the power and beauty of these platforms. So you can go into, let's say, Fiverr, you can type in writer technical or writer technology, and up will come hundreds and hundreds of people. Now, the first thing you should do is you should narrow that down to your country, and you should narrow it down to your native language and there are settings in all these platforms to do that. Writers above all else have got to be people who are from your country and who natively speak the language that you want the articles to be written in. Now I employ people through these platforms all over the world to do all sorts of technical jobs. We have documents done by a guy in I think he's in Singapore, uh, we have people in Australia doing work for us, we have people all around the world doing bits and bobs but all the writers that I use I make sure that they're all writers either in the UK or in the USA, which is where we're producing content for. And that's because you just get better content from people who are from your country and speak the language that you want the article to be in. But even that, when you narrow that down, that still leaves you hundreds and hundreds of people to choose from. How do you know who are the best ones? Well, the next step is you can go and look at their ratings. You can see how much feedback they've got. You can see how good they are. In Fiverr, they have pro verified members as well, although they tend to be a little bit more expensive. But you can have a look at those ratings and just sort of break it down a bit. I always think the best writers to hire are not those who are brand new, but also not those that have been doing it so long that they've built up a fair momentum and their prices have gone up. You're looking for someone who's good and who's going to be brilliant in the future. They just haven't quite got there yet. They're on the first rung of a career and actually you could get a whole load of really good content out of them at a relatively decent price. So go and have a look at their ratings and definitely look at their portfolios. Don't try and overthink it about, is this good writing or is it not good writing? You've just got to look at it and say, do I like this? If you like someone's writing, that's good enough. It really is. You've got to go with your gut feel. Ignore what your brain is saying and go with your gut feel. This is absolutely one of those intuition things. Now, let me tell you my final secret for how you pick the absolute best writer. The first thing is you need a shortlist. 
two, three, four, maybe even five writers. In fact, five is probably the maximum, three is the minimum to do the thing I'm about to suggest. You have a look at their portfolios, you like them, you like all of them, the rates are right, everything's right, but which of those is going to be your writer? What you do is you set them a test and you set each of them exactly the same test so that you can compare the results. Let's say you wanted an article written about laptop encryption. What you would do is you would grab your phone, go into voice record, and you would record yourself talking about laptop encryption. So imagine you were talking to a client and a client said to you, hey, why do I need to get my laptops encrypted? And you kind of slip into client mode, you talk for two minutes, that's what you record. And the reason you record it as an MP3 is so that you're giving exactly the same information to all of these writers at the same time. So you've got that MP3 file, then you do a little written set of instructions. So you send them a link to your blog and you say, this is where it's going to go. You give them the guidelines. So you tell them what the outcome is, what it is that you want people to do at the end, which is of course book a 15 minute phone call with you. You tell them why it's going on the blog, how you want people to feel. You tell them that, you know, the people that you're targeting are business owners and managers who don't make decisions with their brains. They make buying decisions with their hearts. They're making emotional decisions on which IT support company to pick and you want it to be yours. So this is not a technical piece. This has got to be an emotive piece to make them realize that laptop encryption is a big deal and they've got to take it really, really seriously. And you give exactly the same written brief, literally word for word, the same one and the exact same MP3 to every single writer, all five of them in your shortlist. And when you get those pieces of content back, don't look at them until you've got them all in, then print them all out, make sure the person's name is on the printout and read each one. Which one do you think is best? I've done this a dozen times because we have panels of writers that do bits and bobs for us. And every single time I need someone new to join my panel, I use this exact process. And it is beautiful because you really, really do get a gut feel for who's good and who's not good for you. Remember, this isn't about technically being a great writer. It's about you looking at something and thinking, I like that or feeling I like that. This is the right one for me. Now, of course, you're going to spend a few hundred pounds or dollars on this process, but it is absolutely worth it because if you only commission one person to do it, you've got nothing to compare it against. When you commission three, four or five people, you really do get the context of who's the best writer available to you right now. Paul's blatant plug. What are you going to do with your website in 2021 to get more leads? How are you going to turn those leads into prospects, people that you're having conversations with? How are you then going to turn those prospects into sales? And of course, once you've got them as a client, how are you going to increase their monthly recurring revenue? These are the key performance indicators for any MSP's marketing. And I have an entry level training program that addresses these exact things. And you're invited to come and join me in either January, February or March. It's called the Marketing Accelerator and it's a deliberately low price marketing program so we can start a relationship, a working relationship. Because the price is just £49 plus VAT for MSPs based in the UK and for MSPs based in the States or anywhere else, it's just $69. And that's for a live training course that I personally take. So we jump on a Zoom call 
every week for five weeks. In the first week, we look at your website. I literally take you through everything. The second week, we look at your LinkedIn. The third week, we look at how you build audiences of people to market to and how you build a relationship with them. The fourth week, we look at multi-touchpoint marketing campaigns, which allow you to commercialize those audiences. And then in the fifth week, we look at a strategy. It's a strategy for turning your MSP into a marketing and sales machine. Because in my experience, that's what most MSPs want. So that's a Zoom call every single week looking at those subjects. Live training taken by me and we have a live Q&A afterwards. Oh, and it's all recorded and it's all transcribed and I give you the PowerPoint as well. And it is tremendous value for just £49 plus VAT or $69. And as I say, this is a bit of a lost leader for us. We do this because it's a great way for you and me to start a working relationship. However, really important that you understand there is no obligation to buy anything else ever. So some of the people who come on this marketing accelerator choose to do other stuff with us, some of them don't. That's fine, absolutely fine with that. This is just a really easy way for you to get your head around how you're going to get your marketing sorted out. Now, because it's live training, I have a finite number of places every single month. If you go onto my website, Paul Greens, mspmarketing.com slash accelerator. You can see the dates for the January course, February course and March, and you can see how many places are left as well. And when those courses are full, they are full. There's nothing we can do because of the limitations of doing live training. So go and have a look now. You can see all the details and that's where you sign up for it. It's Paul Green's mspmarketing.com slash accelerator. The big interview. So hi, my name is Pete Matheson. I started my own MSP back in, I think, 2011 it was. And in March this year, before pre-pandemic, um, we actually sold the business. Obviously, since kind of exiting, I'm now doing a bit of video work and a bit of fun around that, really. Thank you, Pete. And congratulations on selling your business. Doing that just before the pandemic started must be some of the best timing ever. So you deserve a, a genuine round of applause for um, for selling your business and getting the timing on that perfectly without realizing it, of course. There was a bit of preemption there because when we were making the whole decision last year, we were kind of going, why why should we sell? Are we ready to sell? When, when's the good time? And we we're like, we've had a good decade of brilliant business. The last kind of effectively 10 years of running the IT business was great. Everyone has their ups and downs. People are like, well, let's, you know, if we're going to do this, let's, let's sell we're on the, the top. Not experience, you know, of, uh, any financial issues. Maybe there's you know, a financial crash coming and my God, do we really, <laughs> you couldn't foresee what was coming for sure. You really couldn't. So you first came to my attention about two years ago. And this is, this is the first time that we've actually spoken one-to-one. But when I was running one of my MSP masterminds, we were sat in a room one day and we were talking about using YouTube to promote your MSP. And one of my clients said, oh, there's this guy called Pete Matheson, and he's got this great, great YouTube channel, and it's always on the homepage of his website. And we actually sat for about half an hour sitting watching your YouTube videos, which is pretty cool. So you grew your business using YouTube, yes, didn't you? Yeah, it's certainly one of, I um, wouldn't say primarily through YouTube, but it's, you know, it's one of many marketing pillars that I believe as a as an IT business owner or any business owner, you need to have video definitely positions yourself in, in such a way that nothing else can do for you, in, in my opinion. So tell us what kind of videos you put together. Well, it's a bit of a mix, really. Your first kind of intention and, and certainly my first thoughts, particularly in terms of when you're putting content together is, you know, you focus on what you know. So cybersecurity, that is almost my, my favorite go-to because right there is about 20 videos um, in one day. You can just talk about you know, your antivirus, your cybersecurity, your cyber essentials, your web filtering, email, all those kind of different products. And there's a, you know, maybe a five minute video on each one of those. As we started making those videos, more ideas spawned on me and I was having that, you know, never ending to-do list that you 
you keep adding stuff to. And I never actually finished that that 20 part series or whatever it was. And so we started doing other things. So it was things like, um, you know, showing the journey of us growing the business. And we did a video all about the different offices we'd been through. So, you know, here's the journey where we started from the back of our living room and and we've since moved, you know, three times and, and showed them that that kind of progress. We did videos about our how our staff were treated and what what benefits they had when they you know started working for us and how customers are treated and and it just really kind of gives the audience and your know, prospective customers a, a bit of a kind of a look inside to the, the the inner thoughts of how you work and are you an ethical business owner and how do you deal with difficult issues and if you get complaints how do you deal with those and do you deal with those just that whole thing that we made the decision to try and share that because nobody else was and it was very much a bit of a punt I, I remember talking to a lot of uh, vendors initially to get this idea of the floor obviously need we wanted some investment in terms of some of the hardware and equipment and we were talking to lots of people to to try and use mdf funding which we had a few fantastic kind of offers of help with a lot of people were just well where's the roi i need to see the roi and it's like well no one's really doing this yet i I can't really tell you what the roi is going to be it's just a bit of a punt hopefully it'll work and hopefully it'll be really good Um, and thankfully some people did and they uh, they gave us a bit of a chance so talking about ROI, and we'll, we'll come on to the impact in the business in a second, but in terms of views and people actually watching and engaging with your videos, was it a case that it just grew and grew and grew slowly, but over time? Very, very slowly. And and this is something I always say that if, if you are doing something like video marketing, your expectations need to be pretty much zero, at least for the first kind of year or maybe two years. We, we started out and I knew that I had, say, a year, 18 months, maybe two years where, where I was prepared to put out one video every single week. So all that time invested into that to not get a single view, a single subscriber, a single sale, because you know that over time, all that kind of information you're creating, much like when you're putting blog posts out on your website, it's just growing this collective uh, kind of section of information that people will get to eventually. And, and we grew so, so slow. I mean, it was ages for us to even get to a hundred subscribers. And I think at the point of selling our business, you know, 18 months later, we were, uh, I think about a thousand, just, just hitting a thousand. But the idea there is that yes, you might have a, you know, a tiny amount of subscribers, you know, a hundred subscribers doesn't sound like anything, but if those a hundred people that are listening to you are either customers or prospective customers, that's still a pretty big room to be sat in front of and, and talking to every single week. You need to try and not get hung up on the stats and the figures and the numbers of views because yes, there are channels with millions of views and millions of subscribers. But actually for you, when you're running a business, none of that really matters. The stuff that matters is who is watching your videos. Absolutely. And this fits completely with my teachings about building multiple audiences. And for most MSPs, that's a LinkedIn audience and it's an email audience. I mean, it'd be wonderful for most MSPs to add a YouTube audience as well. The reality is most people find it way too difficult to do videos or certainly decent videos. And yours that you did back in your MSP, they were really good videos. So how did you do it? How much time was it taking you each week? I think for us, I had a whether it's a slightly different approach, but if I do something, I always want to make sure I do it properly and do it kind of at the best quality that I can. So even from the point we were doing like printed newsletters, I would actually go and get them professionally designed. We print them on full color, print them out in decent quality envelopes. So we want to kind of apply that to, to, the, to the video marketing as well. So as soon as I started video marketing effectively, we would go out and buy the better equipment and the decent microphone, decent lighting, just learn how it all worked. So there's a bit of an initial investment in time to, to kind of learn that. And and then going on, it, it wasn't a huge investment. It, it was all my own time because I hadn't got to the stage where I could you know delegate and outsource that part yet. You know, it might, might take me half an hour to kind of roughly script the video of what I wanted to talk about. Then it would be maybe half an hour to an hour to, to shoot the video. And actually that got better and better over time as I um, started working off of scripts and things a bit more. And then the editing, again, the, the, more, the longer you do it, the less time it takes. I think I was in the very early days, it might have been like an evening to edit the video. So that might be like four hours or so. But I actually quite enjoyed 
the process as well. It was getting to learn new things. And obviously, you know, I'm a sucker for new technology and, and continuing to, to learn stuff as well. But that's not to say you can then get someone in. We, we actually hired a marketing apprentice who was one of the best decisions we ever made. You can then you give that stuff to and they can just take that obviously off your lap and carry on working on them. And how did you track that investment back to a return on investment? How did you know that these videos were actually generating decent prospects for you that became clients? It's difficult to track specifically. You know, lots of people will get a spreadsheet out and try and plumb the numbers in. It's, it's very difficult. But but over time, we're going to networking events. People are approaching us saying, oh, you're the guys that do this. I know all about you. you know, they've watched all your videos, yet you have no idea who they are or, or anything about them. So that was happening. Again, over time, we've had people that would come to us. Uh, like a year later, I had someone come to me and saying, we've been watching your videos for a whole year. We're at the point now we're, we're ready to kind of make a make a decision and buy. Can you come in and talk to us about our IT? So they are very long burners and um, it's very difficult to track because even someone that has watched your videos for a year or, or have watched a few videos could then go and go to Google and type in you by name or IT support and just see if they come up. It's impossible. And even if you ask them, they'll say, oh, I went to Google and typed your name in. Well, actually, that's because in the back of their mind, they'd seen you know, five of your videos a few months ago. It's very difficult to track. And, and that's the kind of same with branding. If you ask anybody how to value a brand, it's very difficult because it brings in so much having that brand. It's almost nearly impossible to actually put a you know, financial figure or an ROI figure or anything like that on it. Yeah, completely agree. And I think you see this across all MSP marketing channels. It's very, very difficult to know that, you know, spending $100 here will result in a, in a client here with a three-month delay. You can do that in business-to-business sales, but the way that MSP sales seem to work, there's a, there's a little more um, relationship building that needs to go in the middle. So what are you doing with yourself now then, Pete? You sold that business back in March. What are you doing with your time now? Well, actually, it, it was very difficult for us to know what to do next, um, where we were so kind of ingrained in, in running the business we struggle to see beyond the date of you know what happens next and actually what happens if it doesn't happen you know this is never going to happen this you know a pandemic might happen um <laughs> and um we we plan to have six months off with family and kids and have a few holidays and obviously holidays didn't happen and maybe too much time with the family happened instead in those period of six months people just started approaching me to say could i help them do what i'd done to to take us into my business but with their business and then the YouTube thing was just an aspect that I've it's, it's intrigued me, not from a kind of helping it grow your business point of view, but YouTube as general. And you see tons of these stories that you know people that have gone from earning a you know nothing to a few hundred pounds per month to like tens of hundreds of thousands of pounds per month through just like YouTube revenue. And I thought, well, let's let's just see how that goes. And now part of my kind of two split world is to do YouTube and just see where that takes me. But um, it just really intrigues me to see you know. How far can YouTube go if, if I can do it properly? And every 14-year-old now wants to be you because, of course, every 14-year-old wants to be a, a famous YouTuber. I read somewhere that you need, uh, I think it's a million views to earn around $10,000 worth of advertising share. Does that does that sound about right? It's it, it, Yes and no. It's, it's diff, different when you look at different channels. Um, depending on the topics of each channel, it can hugely, hugely vary. I mean, I when I hit 1,000 subscribers, I was earning about, I think it was about two hundred pounds a month, or just off off of ad revenue, and so I just posted that online on a like a Facebook group just to see what others were earning, and and people, you know, it's vastly different. People that are running maybe gaming channels that are just you know hundreds of thousands of them out there or millions of them out there will be earning a few pounds a month versus maybe a a finance channel that actually earns a few thousand pounds per month just because the topics and it's because obviously the the people putting out financial advice are actually going to have advertising from financial companies that have a lot more money to spend so it just it just completely depends on the topic you're um you're, you're making videos on 
Tell us how we can find you on YouTube, Pete. Uh, YouTube.com slash Pete Matheson. Couldn't be easier, could it? <laughs> and where do we go and see some of the videos that you did for your MSP as well? Uh, it's, it's all still on there. So um, that was that was one of the things. One, one of my first requests of selling the business was I would like to take the YouTube channel with me. So um, if you look back in my history, there's all of the same videos from, from when I was running the business and how we did things and all of that stuff still there. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, Paul. It's Adrivis here from adrivis.com. I recommend the book Start With Why by Simon Sinek. This book is generally promoted as a book about leadership, but at the risk of sounding a tad dramatic, I think it's actually a framework for life. In the book, the author explains that knowing your why, your reason why, your reason for doing anything isn't the only way to be successful, but it's the only way to maintain lasting success. And the author actually explains exactly how you go about finding your reason why for both the things that you do in business and also your personal life. Can't recommend it strongly enough. Hope you enjoy reading it. How to contribute to the show. I've really enjoyed recording this podcast for you this year, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as well. Certainly our audience figures have just gone up and up and up over the last 12 months. So thank you so much for being a listener. If you want to have a chat, just drop me an email. It's really me at the end. It might take me a few days to get back to you, but I'd love to just have a chat with you about your business and just get your feedback on the podcast. My email address is hello at Paul Green's MSP Marketing. Coming up next week. Good news. The MSP Marketing Podcast is continuing over Christmas and New Year. We'll have an episode for you each Tuesday, but we've got some specials coming up. And our first special next week features these two legends from our world. I see opportunity around existing MSPs going out and differentiating and focusing on growth. Literally what we should start today. The chance for us MSPs to take that step up and focus on business. That's Nigel Moore from the Tech Tribe and the author of Package Price Profit. And he's joining me next month along with Carl Palachuk of the SMB podcast and the author of Managed Services in a Month. And we had a wide-ranging conversation about what's in store for MSPs next year. 2021 could be a very interesting year. We could have the Great Recession. We could also see the end of COVID. If this vaccine looks as good as it looks right now, how is this going to affect us? How has technology changed and how are MSPs going to have to change next year? We've done a real deep dive into this subject and this is an unmissable special, which will be your podcast next Tuesday. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.